This is Rennie Kanaf with ChampionshipBBQ.tv, and you're listening to the Barbecue Central Show. Start the game! Let's go! We'll do it live. Do it live! I can, I'll write it and we'll do it live! So to get that perfect barbecue, you use wood. Are you sure it's safe? Whatever. We put the lighter fluid on, strike the match, and... Should we call the fire department? That might be a good idea. Welcome to the Really Big Barbecue Central Show. A show that talks about all things important to the world of barbecue and grilling. Originating as we do each and every week from the barbecue capital of the North Coast. Cleveland, Ohio. Happy to have you aboard here. I'm your program host, Greg Renty. Maybe you thought all week about how you're going to be putting in your phone call to the show tonight, or you have crafted a finely written email and you want to shoot it over my way, this is how you do that. You can get in touch with the show by calling 216-220-0966. Sending an email? Greg at the BBQCentralShow.com. Or on the Twitter and Instagram at BBQ Central Show. Anything else you want to find out about the show can be found at the main website, the BBQ centralshow.com and here's what's happening coming up in about 12 minutes from now third tuesday of the month it is february almost over next week is it then we'll be into march if you can believe it or not we'll be closing out the first quarter of 2019 but tonight since it is the third tuesday we will be joined by traditional third tuesday of the month guest he is a barbecue hall of famer He is a cooking class instructor. He is a TV show host. He is a prolific cookbook author. I would argue, I don't even know if I have to argue, the most prolific live fire cookbook author of our time, of all time perhaps. And friend of this show, Stephen Reichland, will be joining us. We have a number of different items to talk about with Stephen. One thing right off the bat that's jumped out to me is a discussion that I have had with the Inner Circle over the course of the day. With something newish that's popped up, I mean, it's something that hadn't been on my radar as far as how it was presented to me. Doug Scheiding said, hey, uh, we we were talking about uh, some kind of dry aging or, or beef. Doug was at a restaurant, something along these lines, and he had made a reference to the fact that the restaurant he was at or the purveyor had dry aged the beef first, then went ahead and wet aged it for a certain period of time. To me, that was bizarre. Now, being completely transparent, there is a great steakhouse here in Cleveland, which I did bash the last time. However, we did 
because I love to live in hypocrisy, I did go back last week for Maddie's birthday party that was on the 13th, but it was just Maddie, my wife, my oldest daughter. The other one was playing volleyball, so she missed out. Long way to go to say there is a steak on their menu, Red's the Steakhouse menu, and it's not on there all the time, so if you're lucky enough, I guess, or if you just happen to be there when it is, they call it a 40-day dry-age steak. When you read the fine print, it says 20-day wet-aged, then 20-day dry-aged, but in the big billing on the menu, it says 40-day dry-aged. So I had called over the manager and I said, hey, I'm reading this. It pops in my face that it's 40-day dry age. But then when I read it, it looks like there might be 40 days of some kind of aging, some wet, some dry, because I am a preferer of the funk. I would rather have those 20 days of wet age usurped with an additional 20 days of dry, giving me 40, which means anything plus 28 or 30 days starts to build in that funk factor. So I would love to have the 40 day. And it's a more expensive steak, probably by 20 bucks, 25 bucks over the traditional prime ribeye at 16 or 18 ounces or whatever it is. So, I mean, it's in the $75, $80 range versus the $60 range for just the regular prime ribeye. That's how I had seen it first. I hadn't seen it dry age first, then wet age. That seems... Somewhat bizarre. Not saying it didn't happen. I'll talk about it with Stephen Reichlin as we lead off the 14 past the hour segment. Number of other items to get to. I diverged. I apologize. 35 past the first hour. It is new third Tuesday of the month. Guest, the creator of GrillGirl.com. Robin Lindars will be joining me, of course, last month. She started her monthly appearance with us. She was leading into a state cook-off association contest that was taking place at the Shed. In Mississippi, I believe that's where they're at, or Louisiana, wherever the hell they are. And she made a a number of definitive statements that were cutting, that were going against the very fabric and grain of what was winning at steak contests, specifically how much she wasn't going to rub her steak or buy a commercially made steak. Also, there was an ancillary category, which was Bloody Mary's. And if you're a fan of this show, especially over the last two months, you've heard the revised rant of Bloody Marys being absolutely ridiculous and how they are built and turned in or even had at a number of different restaurants across the country. It's outrageous. So we'll talk to her about that event, some other items that are coming up as well. Her husband, Big Duck Hunter, so we'll see if she has any new duck. And these are live duck, not the farm-raised duck that I had from Duck Char. That's the first hour. Second hour. Took a little bit of building today. However, we have managed what I am sure will be at least a solid one segment. That would be the 14 past. The pitmaster of Big Papa Smokers, the creator of the Big Papa Smokers uh, Spices and Rub Sterling Balm will be joining me this past weekend in a competition sense. His Smithfield guinea pig contest took place. Another rousing success. This is now, I believe, the... hmm, Is it the third or fourth iteration of a Smithfield-sponsored guinea pig? Originally, it was just Big Papa's guinea pig, and then Smithfield started taking over sponsorship. Uh, I believe I saw a couple, at least one new sponsor taking place of another in the meat side, so we'll talk about that as well. 
number of her competition things with Sterling Ball as it relates to his upcoming season as it's probably just starting to get underway or at least they're thinking about how many they want to do. Sterling not a 35-40 type of event guy, somewhere in that 15 to 20, maybe 25, depending on what his schedule is like. Remember, if you don't know Sterling, and I've said it a hundred times before, I have no idea why he's wasting his time on barbecue other than it's his passion and that's what he wants to do. He lives a really exciting other life, which we have never talked about on the show. His dad was Ernie Ball. You ever heard of Ernie Ball? You know, the guy that is the guitar strings, now morphed into musical instruments, partnering with top name artists, customizing their guitars, fat necks and otherwise, hanging out with the likes of Eddie Van Halen and Kirk Hammett and you name it, Bill Murray's his best pally, aside from me. So I have no idea why he's even bother wasting time with barbecue when he could be hanging out with all of the coolest rock stars ever. Ever. But he gives time to this show, which I appreciate. He's also a longtime sponsor of this show, which I certainly appreciate as well. So always fun to catch up with Sterling Ball of Big Pop Smokers. Then to close out the show, and to say I'm 50-50 on this one coming through might be a stretch. I had mentioned it last week that we were into freshly into the 11th year of live shows of the Barbecue Central show. It existed two years prior in straight podcast format, and then I had converted it into a live internet show in 2008. So we are just pushing past 11 years, and I reached back out to the guy who really helped me find a voice and gave me a live platform to start out on and it is the what is called now LA Talk Radio but back then it was BBS Talk Radio Sam Hassan will be joining me maybe and we'll be talking about the evolution of both of our brands and enterprises over the course of the 11 years how he has grown how he has had to change and adapt because much like me, where there was a bevy of podcasts, barbecue-related, coming out, you had to change it up. You had to set apart, and that's why I went live. There have been a number of internet stations that have come on board now over the last 11 years. So what is he doing to continue to evolve and continue to lead the pack when it comes to internet programming stations, live content? I believe if you put in talk radio, LA Talk Radio's if it's not the first, it's it's on first page returns of Google. So incredibly successful and continuing 11 years. I don't know if we thought we were all going to make it one year, but we did. Stephen Reichland coming up out of the break. Let me talk to you quickly about my pal Matt Eads. You know him as Grill Seeker. It's a soon-to-be-released book. It's great. How great? It premiered on Amazon as the number one new release in the barbecue and grilling section. It's called Grill Seeker Basic Training for Everyday Grilling. Now, let me tell you a little bit about the author. From the battlefields of Afghanistan, Iraq, Somalia, Bosnia, to a state-of-the-art outdoor kitchen, Matt Eads is looking to unite people through grilling. No matter our race, gender, sexual orientation, cultural upbringing, socioeconomic standing, or political affiliation, Cooking over live fire brings people together, differences get set aside, and that's why you should pre-order your copy of Grill Seeker Basic Training for Everyday Grilling right now. 
The focus of Grill Seeker is to show readers that gourmet grilling doesn't have to be just a weekend activity. I mean, come on, let's change the mindset. With Matt's tips and tricks, you can craft amazing meals and create amazing memories for family and friends every night of the week. That's what it's about. These memories and the camaraderie that grilling has created for Matt, dating back to his teen years and throughout his time in the Marines, fuel the desire to spread his passion for outdoor cooking. They're also the reasons he started the United by Flame movement on social media. You can find that under hashtag United by Flame. Here's a few teasers from the book. I mentioned these last week. So let me tickle your proverbial back end with a smoke-infused feather. Grilled grapes and roasted garlic-infused ricotta crostini. Grilled Nashville hot chicken. I love Nashville hot chicken, so I'm looking forward to trying this recipe. Grilled peach boats with mascarpone ice cream. How does that fancy it? Don't forget to join the hashtag United by Flame movement. Head over to grillseeker.com and at the very top of the site, above the logo, click on the United by Flame link and then check out the page. Don't forget, you can send Matt a photo of yourself cooking in front of your grill or barbecue pit. He will in turn go ahead and share that on the United by Flame page. You become a member. Join the movement. Let's do it. But before you join the movement, go to amazon.com. There's a link on my homepage on the logo button or in the sponsorships page it all links over to Grill Seeker basic training for everyday grilling with Matt Eads newest partner of this show and certainly appreciate it pre-order the book man everybody loves the pre-order it's the Grill Seeker he'll be on next week is actually programming note Grill Seeker on next week Stephen Reichland coming up out of the break stick around be right back Broadcasting live from the Barbecue Central Show Studios in Cleveland, Ohio. You're listening to the Barbecue Central Show. Once again, here's your host, Greg Rempe. You know, I'm thinking about it. I didn't have a picture of uh, Stephen Reichlin all set up because he's actually going by phone tonight. Well, we'll see what I can swing out while we're shooting from the hip. This portion of the show brought to you by Butcher Barbecue, makers of award-winning injections marinades, rubs, seasonings, barbecue sauces, and the world-famous grilling oils. All of Butcher Barbecue products tested on the competition circuit as well as in backyards worldwide. Be the pitmaster of your neighborhood. Visit ButcherBBQ.com to stock up now. Always trust your butcher. Let's see if I can't just add it right now. Go to the media section. Go here. We'll go to the new folder. We go to show big picks. And we got to go all the way down to the S's. And I go back through this page, and there have been a lot of different people on this show. I can tell you that. A lot. Okay, now we're in the ST's. There's Steven. Let's see, which one do I want to use? Hmm. One's got his name on it. Well, we'll just use this one. I want to be topical. I don't want to use the one that says, uh, you know, Primal Grill on it. That's good enough. Yeah, why not? Let's go ahead and raise Stephen up. My first guest on the third Tuesday of each month is a 2015 Barbecue Hall of Fame inductee, a TV show host, a barbecue cooking class instructor, a multiple-time author, and you see him here on the third Tuesday of every month. 
we race to the hotline and welcome in Stephen Reichlin. Stephen, how are you, buddy? I am absolutely fabulous, Stephen. Appreciate the time as always. Uh, you are not via Skype, which means you're traveling. So, uh, where do we find you in this great country? So, uh, I am on the Tamiami Trail between Florida and Miami. All right, Tamiami Trail. That's a uh, that's a pretty big trail, if I come to understand. Any uh, any cool places along the stops? Well, uh, lots of alligators along the way and. <laughs> Uh, Indian villages, airboat ride. And, uh, so, are you a big fan of eating alligator? Is that something that you've partaken in and enjoy? I have eaten alligator. Uh, you know, I can't say it's enough meat. I really crave it. Uh, the other thing we have down here that's great are frog legs, and I would go out of my way to eat a Florida frog leg. How do you prepare that? What do you find to be the best way? Well, uh, as you can imagine, the way I prepare them is curry butter and grilled. But, uh, the most traditional way to eat frog legs down here is uh, deep fried. Uh, I've heard through many of the generic stereotypes that frog legs are somewhat akin to chicken. Would you place them in that same category? Yeah, I would. Chicken leaning toward rabbit. Let me ask you a question before we get into some of the other topics that we had kind of game plan for this evening. And I don't know if you can answer it, but this is something that just popped up today. I was going back and forth with a few of my inner circle members who was at a restaurant and he had had a dry aged steak, but it was a little bit different than the norm. They first dry aged the beef and then after whatever the designated period of time of dry aging, they wet-aged it for another portion of time. Is this something that you've heard of before? I've never heard of that before. And I'm not quite sure I'd understand what the advantage of that would be. If I recall correctly, and my memory is shoddy at best, the way it was explained to my pal Doug was that it was dry-aged first, then wet-aged secondarily in order to uh, maintain more of the moisture. But I would imagine... If you're going for a dry age, you're also you're willing to sacrifice the moisture loss for a more uh, robust flavor, if you will. Yeah, but you know, I mean, water has enough flavor. The more you can evaporate, the more intense the flavor is going to be by itself. But you know, I I'm sure they your friends put thought into that secondary uh, wet age until I taste it. I don't know, so uh, keep an open mind. You know, there is a steak joint here in Cleveland that does the opposite. They wet age for 20 days, which makes sense. I mean, a lot of these things are coming in some type of a cryovac, I would imagine. So you let it hang out there for 20 days or whatever. Then they take it out. They dry age it for another 20 days. Now, personally, I would rather have that dry aging process be more than 20, at least 30, maybe into the 40, 50-day range. So that makes a little bit more sense. But the opposite is still a little mind-boggling to me. Right, right. Um, you know, well, I guess for me, the bottom line is what's exciting is when I was growing up, a steak was a steak was a steak, and now there are so many variations. Uh, people are pushing the envelope in so many different directions that, you know, it's a really exciting time to be uh, a griller and an eater. Steve, let me ask you from, and I'm going to ask you to speculate over the general population uh, just to make sure that. I'm kind of understanding where your mindset might be at. 
I believe at this point, and maybe over the last three or four years, that the consumer has never been closer to the source of where beef is coming from. But I've heard divergent views saying, well, while there is access or while there is an ability for a consumer, if they're interested to track down all the way back, if you will, like uh, grape varietals with wine, the vast majority have become completely inactive or unmotivated to, to find that out. And it's worse than it ever has been, you know, even 30 or 40 years ago. Do you agree with that? Um, I think we are a schizophrenic nation, a schizophrenic culture, and I think that there's a, a sort of a, an elite uh, group, but subpopulation that is very concerned where food comes from, uh, that wants to know the pedigree, that insists on organic, uh, grass-fed, uh, heirloom varieties, heritage varieties. Uh, they cost more money. There, <coughs> there is no out about that. And then there are, you know, kind of the more the mass consumer uh, that maybe is more concerned with price. You know, it's funny, and I was talking with my wife about this the other day, there's a new business that opened in Miami that calls itself Wild Food. And we went in this thing, and this place is like a giant frozen TV dinner. <laughs> Every single item in the store is frozen. And despite the moniker wild, everything is just industrial beef, industrial lamb, sold frozen. Um, it is the most un, it's the most antithetical to the way I shop and the way I think about food. <laughs> so that's sort of uh, another extreme. You know, I don't know what prompted a business like that, and I have no idea what its prospects for success are. But uh, if it succeeds, I'll be pretty depressed. <laughs> Stephen Reichland joining me here on the show, barbecuebible.com, his website. Stephen, let's go ahead and talk about the 2019 edition of Barbecue University. We kind of talk about it each and every year, kind of a lead up before you have it, and then we like to recap it after the fact. So what are you looking at from a curriculum standpoint, and is there anything that is going to be changing from a trend standpoint that you're going to be doing there? Absolutely. Well, first of all, before Barbecue University comes, uh, we're getting ready for the next uh, Stephen Reichland's Project uh, Fire TV show, which we're taping in March uh, in northern Florida. So we're going to be looking at uh, this, this show. will have a, a much a much more of a tropical cast, uh, a Gulf of Mexico cast in my previous shows, and I'm really excited about that. Uh the shows uh, that we've got lined up for, uh, you know, for the, the new series very much align with books I'm either I've written or working on. Uh, you know, I've got Brisket Chronicles coming out uh, in April, and so one show is Brisket 24-7. We're going to do sort of a crash immer immersive, immersive course uh, in brisket, including, by the way, a brisket that you can cook in two minutes. It's uh, Korean style, so that's pretty interesting. Uh, another show I've got coming up uh, is called uh, uh, Grilling Green, and it's actually a uh, meatless show. You know, there's been so much uh, just exploding interest in green grilling and vegetarian grilling, uh, and we will. This will carry carry over to Barbecue University uh, 2019 as well. Couple follow-up questions so, on that, Stephen. Um, from a location standpoint, yeah. haven't the last couple seasons been in? California? 
They have been. Yeah. So we try and jump around. You know, we've been okay. in Southern Arizona. We were in uh, Southern California. Uh, although we've been in, uh, we've taped in uh, in Arizona, and now we'll be taping in uh, northeast, nor- northwestern Florida. Uh, so, you know, for me, it's fun. It's a uh, different background, different local foods, local specialties. I know we'll be doing a lot with Gulf Seafood in this show. Funny, I was just, everybody knows Nancy. I was just on the phone with Nancy, and we're trying to line up a source for fresh hearts of palm because that's a Floridian specialty, tropical fruits from the Redlands. What about stone crab? Is that in season? A stone crab is in season, and I'm sure the the crew is going to be feasting on stone crab. <laughs> I'm not convinced that grilling is the best way to cook it. Mm. Although, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if we try smoking it. A follow-up to the green grilling thing that you had mentioned, uh, if I remember correctly, your daughter is a dietitian, right? Not only is she a dietitian, but she's the, the dietitian for the Miami Heat basketball team. Okay, well, even better. So have you had a conversation with her in regards to the influx or more widely available plant-based proteins, specifically those things like the Impossible Burger or the things that look like meat and taste like meat, act like meat, but when you start to break down what's in them and what the calorie count looks like, is she a fan of that or is she a little bit more on the schneid? Well, I think she, like, uh, first of all, she is virtually a vegetarian which is, you know, talk about a strange thing uh, to happen in a family of, uh, you know, of uh, uh, a griller like myself. Right. But um, I, think, I think for both of us, you know, there's, there's sort of very, very, two very big philosophical questions. And one is if you were eating a meatless diet and, uh, and grilling meatless, as it were, grilling green, do you want to celebrate plant foods for being plant foods and the flavors they have and the textures and the unique qualities they have? Or do you want to kind of replicate the meat experience with plant-based ingredients? And I think we both kind of come down more on the side of trying to celebrate plant foods for their unique qualities. Stephen Reichlin joining me here on the show, barbecuebible.com, his website, uh, talking about Project Fire 2 coming up, obviously, Barbecue University. For the folks that are interested in taking a look at Barbecue University, obviously, it's uh, set in a very majestic place. Uh, it's not cheap by any stretch, but if you're looking to make a special weekend out of it or you both have some live fire, maybe you're bringing a buddy or whatever, uh, how do you sign up for that? Uh, well, visit uh, barbecuebible.com and click on uh, About Stephen and Barbecue University. That'll send you to a link. Or you can call the Broadmoor Hotel in Colorado Springs. That's where we hold the school. And, uh, you know, you get signed up information there. Uh, it's a pretty intense program. Three days of uh, barbecuing and grilling. And you asked what's new earlier. You know, one thing that's always new for us is we always get uh, new grills, new smokers, uh, new techniques. Uh, every year the menus are different. And... Uh, only thing that's not different is uh, we get a lot of repeat uh, students, so uh, so uh, it's certainly one of the high points of my year. Are you surprised that you have? I mean, do you have any idea what percentage of students that you get every year are repeats? Is it fifty percent or thirty percent or or more than fifty? No, it's not. No, it's not quite that high. I would say it's about fifteen percent. 
Do the people that have been there more than once, maybe it's their third time, maybe it's their fourth time, do you find that they are very quick to volunteer, or is it a pretty well-mixed noobs, uh, intermediates, and experts that are hands-on? You know, I try and plan every menu with a few rudimentary dishes for beginners, a few complicated dishes, uh, more complex dishes for more experienced people. And, um, you know, certainly our alums definitely enjoy the role of helping uh, helping the newbies, showing them the ropes of how the school works. Stephen, let's switch gears real quick here. We've been following how your newest book, The Brisket Chronicles, are going through the process here. So uh, bring us up to speed on where the book's at right now. Well, the book is at the printers, and if you are an author, there are a few things more delightful than having the book finally off your desk when you can (laughs) make no more changes or revisions at the printer when it's actually going to be turned into a book. So what are we now? We're toward the end of February. I'll probably have my first bound copy in about two weeks. Uh, The book will ship in April, and then I'll start touring the beginning of May. Do you have a tour schedule of cities planned out yet? I do, and it's on barbecuebible.com. We're launching the tour in Austin, Texas, which feels very appropriate for a uh, brisket book. Uh, Let's see. I'll be in, uh, well, we've got Texas. I'll be in Chicago. I'll be in Kansas City. Uh, We will be in uh, Tennessee, Atlanta, Miami, Boston, so, uh, New York City, I think we're launching the book on the Today Show. So, it's a pretty typical, you know, Stephen Reichlin workman tour. The other thing that's really fun is I'm teaching a set of master classes in Turin, Italy, nope. uh, the 21st and 22nd of June. Now, you may remember from previous conversations, I have a TV show on the Italian Food Network called Stephen Reichlin Grills Italy. Uh, so, this is a... Uh, a barbecue store and school called Barbecue Paradise in uh, Turin, Italy. I'm sure you have a few followers from uh, from Italy. Italians are just mm-hmm. grill crazy, barbecue crazy these days. So I'm uh, really looking forward to that experience too. Stephen, I don't want to take you to task here in front of all the centralites, but I believe the last time we talked about a book tour, there was a Cleveland, Ohio uh, mentioned in there by you. What happened? Yeah, well, it's not on the schedule yet, but the schedule is a work in practice. Uh, uh, go to self, uh, call the publicist, uh, chew her out, and tell her to put send me to Cleveland. Maybe you said, hey, let's stop in Cleveland, and they were like, did you just say Cleveland? No, no, no. We're going to send you right past Cleveland and go into Chicago or some other real city. I think that's probably more or less what happened. I know you want to well, be here. I know get- you want to be here. I'll get there. I'll get there. Don't worry. Uh, Stephen Reichland joining me here on the show talking about the book, The Brisket Chronicles. So the book is off the desk. It's going to be out April. Are you already thinking about a new book or are you already constructing a new book? I'm already working on a new book. I'm actually working on a couple books. Uh, So uh, the first one, there may be a uh, grilling green book uh, in Mm -hmm. the works. Mm Mm-hmm. And I'm actually working on another project that may be surprising for people, but, uh, you know, in Venice, there is a kind of tapas that's called chiquetti, and they're served at these wonderful Venetian wine bars, which are about the last place when you can actually meet a real Venetian, you know, with the wave of tourism that's in Venice. So I'm working on a project on Venetian wine bar food, 
And uh, I've got a story on that coming out the travel section of the New York Times in a couple weeks. So uh, that's sort of an unexpected interest that has nothing to do with grilling, but everything to do with great flavor. What kind of a of a food is it? Is there a genre for it? So imagine, I mean, imagine tapas, and it's everything from a myriad of different kinds of uh, meatballs to open face sandwiches to uh, to panini to uh, to interesting salads, interesting seafood. Um, it's uh, extremely varied. It's just, you know, if any of your listening listeners are going to Venice, it's a very inexpensive but explosively flavorful and extremely colorful, picturesque way to eat. And like I said, when you go to a Venetian wine bar, you'll be with Venetians. You won't just be with tourists. Stephen, last question before I let you go, and I appreciate the time as always. Over the last three, four, five years, the competitive steak world, regardless of sanctioning body, has been exploding in popularity. Is that something, if you were around it or it was down in Florida or or Martha's Vineyard, depending on where you're at over the course of uh, that particular season, is that something that you would throw a couple hundred bucks down and, and take part in a steak contest or no? Well, I would certainly love to observe it and uh, and especially taste the uh, the fruits of it. Um, I, I I don't really do com- competing. I'm you know I've always been kind of more of a a um, a reporter and uh, doing field work and reporting on what people are doing in that field rather than actually competing myself. But you know I find it a fascinating uh, phenomenon and. Speaking of Italy, actually, uh, they have really gotten into American-style competition barbecue. Mm-hmm. Uh, they have sanctioned contests. And, um, you know, this is an export that is really uh, finding a home all over the world. Stephen Reichlin from Barbecue Bible joining me here on the show, the website barbecuebible.com, and he is on the Tammy-Ammy Trail. And heading, you were heading toward to Miami, correct? Heading back to Miami. Heading back to Miami. All right. Uh, the third Tuesday of the month, you find them here. You can find them at barbecuebible.com anytime else. Stephen, always appreciate the time. Thanks so much. Great speaking with you. There he is. He's a Barbecue Hall of Famer if you need him. Stephen Reichlin. Yeah. Third Tuesday of the month right here on this show. Don't sweat it. If you're just tuning in and you missed Stephen Reichlin, he'll be back in a month. You can catch the podcast tomorrow. Go to my website, click the subscribe button. That will show you all the ways you can connect. I will talk to you quickly about my second hour guest, Big Papa Smokers, the one-stop online shop for all things barbecue, a curated selection of the best outdoor cooking and grilling supplies to get you on the path to better barbecue results in no time. They have these championship rubs, 13 to be exact, popular flavors like Money, sweet money, desert gold, double secret steak, cattle prod, cash cow, just to name a few, all proven winners on the comp circuit and in my backyard. They offer 13 perfectly balanced flavors that transform ordinary meals into extraordinary. We have a great partnership with Steph Franklin out there at Simply Marvelous Barbecue. Finished top 20, by the way, guinea pig. You put those two rubs together, you got West Coast offense. You ever heard of that? No? Get out from the rock that you're living under and do some Googles. They also are the proud owner of Granny's Barbecue Sauce. If you're looking for a new go-to sauce, 
Granny's is the one you're going to want to try. Aside from that, they also have a number of other top-rated sauces at BigPapaSmokers.com. Aside from those rubs and sauces, they offer cookers. That's right. If you're looking for a versatile smoker that's easy to use, check out the Mac 2 Star General Pellet Grill. Big Papa Smokers, the exclusive Mac dealer, even offers special packages. Not a fan of pellet smokers? Take a look at the Old Hickory Ace BP. It's the only charcoal smoker that Big Papa trusts on his competition trailer. If you're a backyard barbecue enthusiast looking for a durable, versatile grill that's easy to use, the M Grill will last forever. They're built like tanks. If you're not sure what kind of grill you need, hey, don't worry. Just head on over to BigPapaSmokers.com. Pick one out. If you have any questions, give them a shout. 877-828-0727. That's 877-828-0727. Or shop the website, BigPapaSmokers.com. That's B-I-G-P-O-P-P-A, Smokers.com. Grill Girl, up next. Stick around. Continuing to produce incredibly mediocre content in an exceptionally professional way. You're listening and watching the Barbecue Central Show. Once again, here's your host, Greg Rampey. All right, welcome back. This portion of the show being brought to you by Cooking Pellets, your number one source for quality wood pellets for all the pellet-driven cookers in your life. Visit cookingpellets.com to purchase, or if you would prefer, you can go to amazon.com and purchase there as well. Chris Becker and the gang over at Cooking Pellets, looking to get him back on the show as well. All right, my next guest is the newest third Tuesday of the month guest, creator of grillgirl.com. We race to the hotline and welcome back Robin Lindars to the show. Robin, how are you? Hey, Greg. Put on your camera. What are you doing? I have it. I thought I had it on. Oh, come on. You know you don't. All right. Let's see. Let's see. Here we go. (laughs) There we are. Ooh, look at you. All sophisticated with the uh, glasses and everything, huh? It's, this is just my smart look I'm going for. I didn't know you wore glasses. These are my computer glasses. It's just that, like, hot teacher look I'm going for. Are they your cheaters? <laughs> cheaters. Is that what they call them? Are those cheaters, or are they I real glasses? Know. I mean, I have a very slight stigmatism or whatever, so um, uh, I wear them sometimes just because when I'm typing up recipes and stuff. So visit Robin's website if you're doodling around grillgirl.com. You can follow her on Instagrams at grillgirlrobin. See what she's I up to. Robin. That's right. Yep, with a Y. Uh, right. R-O-B-Y-N. So uh, don't make that mistake. But Google her. Do you have the blue check mark? I think I do on some networks and others I don't. Do you? Do no, you I don't. Check? I tried to get a blue check mark for Instagram and they were like, uh, no, you, you don't get it. And they don't. Well, you know what? They don't tell you why. They just deny you. They're finicky over there. So whatever. Finicky. All right. So last month in your first recurring role, you were talking about, amongst other things, that you and your dad, Eddie, were heading down to the shed. You were going to be taking part in this steak cook-off association event. And you were really pretty pumped up about it. Oh my God. So much fun. And I have to say, we also competed with Jeff Romero and the last 
uh, episode I was on, I totally butchered his last name because I was exhausted and I had like brain fart mom brain. So I'm sorry about that, Jeff. And Brad and everybody at the shed totally gave him so much SHIT about it. Really? Um, yeah, they did. Because I was like, I just had a, I just had a major brain fart. So I'm. What sorry did you about call that, him? Jeff. Did you call him like Jeff I said, um, or Salerno or something? I think I'd been on like <laughs> Nick Solaris's feed on Instagram and I had uh, this like last name in my brain. Yeah. And I just like, you know, how you have those brain, those like parent moments where you're like, I want to talk about this, but then you're like, eh, like your brain just doesn't work because you're exhausted. And that's what I was having that night. All right, Robin, I'm going to tell you right now as a parent of three daughters ranging in age from 17 to 13. Um, almost 18 uh, and, and almost a freshly 14, by the way. Get Go to joebees.com, J-O-E-B-E-E-S. They're not a sponsor of the show. They have no affiliation with me. For the last seven years, I've been taking their products, a, a bee pollen supplement. I don't know how else to say it. And he's like a Florida guy, actually, now that I'm thinking about it. Really? I, I've taken I love it, my Florida peeps. I've taken it for seven years. My mind is sharp. My will is fantastic. And my health, my, uh, what do you call it, immune system is so... How's your stamina, Greg? Is so ro- screw stamina. <laughs> my, my immunity is so robust that while all of the other four women in my house are coming down with all types of sicknesses at any moment, I haven't even had a cold in seven years. Really? I'm you not know, my kidding. grandma always took bee pollen, and she's like 90, and yeah. she's still kicking, so maybe there's something to I'm it. I'm telling you, there is something to it. And again, no affiliation, so don't take it and be sick, and I'll just make fun of you for the rest of the time. Anyway, let's get back on track. So okay. you were heading down to the state cook-off. One of the things that you had mentioned was that you were going to be ultra simple on rub. Maybe like not a lot of rub at all. And I was like, whoa, that's way off base. That's not what people are doing. I and you, I know what rogue, I'm doing, Mr. Rappi. You shut up and you you host your show, but I'm the one competing. So give us a breakdown <laughs> of how it actually shook out. Well, Greg, if you know me and if you followed all my stuff over the years, you know that whatever I say I'm not going to do, it always comes back and bites me in the ass. Um, and... That's how I ended up with a chihuahua and a cat <laughs> and using a pellet smoker and now sous vide because they always said I would never sous vide and uh. that's why I was almost going to be late tonight because I just cooked an excellent sous vide steak that I actually even saved a piece. <laughs> Look at this. Hold it up. Is this crazy shizzle, you guys, or what? Wow, good color. My camera, but look, <laughs> a perfect medium rare. I right. mean, I just I saved this for you. I was like, really? <laughs> and you know, my husband... He got it for me, but he really got it for himself. Mm-hmm. And I've been like, he's like, let's use it, let's use it. And anyway, so so whatever. So the point is that whatever I say, I'm not going to do. I always do. And I said I was going to keep it simple with the rub. Yeah. And we didn't because you know what happened was, um, Dad and I stayed with Mama and Papa Shed while we were there. Mm. And Papa Shed has been schooled by Johnny Joseph, and so. Uh, Papa Shed, Daddy-O, or Craig, um, Whatever you Orson, <laughs> and you gotta love them, too, like, their whole, the whole Shed family is awesome, and that's why this competition was so much fun, because the Shed doesn't do anything half-assed, and Brad is freaking hilarious, and, like, the whole thing was just so fun, right, so, so we stay with Mama and Papa Shed, and, um, 
daddy-o gave us a schooling and so he learned from johnny joseph and he whipped out this rub that was like saison like what we have down here in miami where i'm from but i was like oh my god are you kidding me we're using saison like i'm in mississippi not miami and the point is is that you need something to compete with that has msg in it to, mm. to face mm-hmm. and i was like s-h-i-t because that goes against what i'm all about but when you're cooking and and competing you only have that one bite and right. that one bite needs to stand out and that's right. what you got to do okay. so we changed our we changed it around and we did really awful on their first cook because because <laughs> so here's how they did it at the shed they did two rounds of steak and mm. it was really cool how they did it because then the winners of that then competed against each other in a live cook-off during the award ceremony, oh. which was like, it was like chopped meets an award ceremony. It was really fun. Um, and our second one, we did 33 out of like 90, which is in the top third. So yeah, I'll take right, it. Right. So, so we changed our strategy. So um, unfortunately, even though you don't want to, you want to be a purist. Who? I think the stuff that's placing is who stuff wants that would, to be, with Who wants MSG. to be a purist? Who wants to be a purist? You want to be a purist. Nobody else I wants to be, to a, be purist. a purist. All right. So uh, go ahead and apologize and say I was right. You were totally right. And like I said, and actually, I have a I have a blog post from 2015 <laughs> that was, and I made these like goals. And it was like uh, hashtag try new things. <laughs> And, oh, no, and it was hashtag never say never. So, uh, like I said, uh, whatever I say will never do always comes back to bite me ass in right. the ass, and that was it. So you have to use a rub or you have to have something with MSG in it is what I learned. Because we are on the worldwide internet, there is no reason for you to spell out shit. You can just say it. Nobody's going to get fined unless it's a mom thing that you're working on so you don't no, swear in front of your kids. You know that I curse like a sailor, right. but I always feel like the potty mouth on your show, so I'm trying to be better. Nobody can be worse than uh, <laughs> Sam the Cooking Guy. That guy's dropping F-bombs like hot potatoes. So, you know, a couple shits here and there, no big deal. Now, so uh, next steak cook-off, you're, you're definitely sticking to the rub guns and it's MSG and it's one-bite flavor, over-the-top type stuff to stand up. Yeah, um, and I have to say, uh, Jeff on our team after after we after we did that one, he's done two others in Katy, Texas, and Jeff Romero from Holy Holy Roller Smokers, um, he's awesome, and he's like he's like my Texan brother, but um, he just won third in Katy, Texas, mm. so it's working. All so right. let's quickly hit this item because I, I want to make sure we spend time on the Bloody Mary ancillary. Yes. Setup wise there at the shed, was there a lot of PK grills, grill grates, and B&B charcoal, or is that uh, stereotype a little overblown? Well, you know, all stereotypes exist because there's some truth behind it, sure, right? And right. there is some truth behind that. You see a lot of PK grills. Um, you see a lot of grill grates. And... You see B and B charcoal, they're a player and uh they they have good product, you know, but uh especially you see a lot of the PK grills. You don't need to compete on a PK grill to win. Um and you don't have to use grill grates, though I think it helps. I think I think the point is that um you have to get your temperature down and you need to use a grill that's gonna get you there and you have to look for consistency in your in when you're cooking and um, you really just have to get your temperatures down. So, 
Uh, that's what it's all about is, is being able to master that without having a lot of distractions. I think the reason that we didn't do so well in our first, uh, our first take that we did was because there were a lot of distractions. We had some like photographers from the food network there and just like, that's distracting. You guys saw me get chopped on the first round of chop because <laughs> I couldn't focus. And then I had the oyster, uh, situation where, you know, I cooked with oysters I wasn't familiar with. I'm an East coast girl. I had some West coast oysters. They weren't as, they weren't what I was used to. But anyway, the point is that, um, you got to be so focused and that's, I, I think when Johnny Joseph teaches his class, it's probably about like focus and timing and the right combination of, of seasonings and rubs. So you get the perfect mouth feel and the, like the right finished product. Because the guy that actually won the steak cook-off was a guy that was Rob, Robert <laughs> Edwards, Robert Edwin. I can't remember. I'm having Now I'm having mom brain. It's just I can't remember. But Robert, the guy who won the cook-off yep. was uh, a graduate of Johnny Joseph's class. Hmm. And does he attribute his success specifically to that? I don't know, but he evidently they have a process that they have gotten down, and it's working well it's worked well for him oh, though yeah. johnny joseph didn't place in that competition but i think a lot of it is, is just getting your times and your temperature and your consistency okay we can talk on and on about that and i'm probably going to end up blowing out my segment here but i want to make sure that we're spending the right amount of time uh quick question just answer very quickly on this from a grill grates perspective uh well okay now it's two quick questions uh how many non uh, uh grill mark Steaks did you see turned in? Less than 10%? Any? Yeah, less than 10%. Yep. I had some newbies next to me that were friends of, at our, at our, uh, next to our tent that were like friends of Fred Salinas, who's the guy that does a lot of photography for the shed. And I loved them, um, because they owned a food truck and they came out and they borrowed like a Weber Smoky Mountain or something. And then they finished in cast iron. And he was a chef and I loved it, but they didn't have grill marks. And though they say that, it's not just about appearance. You have to know that that's something right. that plays into it. That was my next question was, do you feel like if you didn't put grill marks on, your chances of winning would have been decreased unfairly? Yes. Yes. Okay. Now, there's an ancillary category, Bloody Marys. By yes. the way, if you're keeping score, my girl Robin right here, third overall in Bloody Marys. So congratulations. That's huge. Out of Thank how many? You. Out of how many entries? Forty-five. Wow! So that's you. I mean, over half the field turned in Bloody Marys too. Then. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So I'm conflicted. I have to be honest, and we're going to go to the pictures here for this one. Okay. Specific. Okay. Let's do it. You know, Bloody Marys. It's a drink, Robin. It's I know. Got this, I know. Uh, you know, Bloody Mary mix. If you're feeling a little froggy, my dad uh, would drop some horseradish in this. Yes, uh, maybe yes, yes. an olive here, uh, maybe a celery stalk there. But it's a drink served in a glass, and there's not a lot of shit that you have to remove in order to drink it. However, what I saw at the Shed event is exactly what I have been railing against for at least 24 months, which is it appears cursorily from my purview 
that you have to have heavy equipment in order to assemble shit that goes all over this drink. Yeah. And, and somehow that makes you a winner, but it's a drink. So first questions first. Do they even bother drinking the drink to judge how well it tastes? Yes. And so let's just back up a second. So based Please. on the research I know, not all state competitions um, request, or this is not an ancillary that happens at all the state sure, competitions. Right. I'm sure that this is, and I do feel that this was fitting because it's the shed. And if you guys, if you look on a map where the shed is located, they are located in like, like, like almost like smack dab between Biloxi and New Orleans, which are two of like the drinking capitals of the world, <laughs> based on my knowledge of that yeah. stuff. And I know these things because we know that I'm a party girl and I'm from the South, even though I don't sound like it. And I enjoy a good cocktail. Having said that, I do think there's a lot of pomp and circumstance going on mm. with the entry because I don't feel like you have a level playing field on the taste when you enter like a small raw bar mm. with your entry. And that's what, like, I thought I was being so smart and clever when I came in with that crab and yeah. the shrimp and the whatever. I'm showing and it I right now. And I got there and I was like, oh shit, I'm like in the big leagues here. And then like literally when I, when I made the joke about the, the, um, the raw bar, it wasn't really a joke because there were people yeah. there that I didn't get a picture of this one, but there was someone that had like, like a, like a basically a shelf propped up on their drink that hosted a sampling of like raw oysters <laughs> and whatnot. <laughs> so here's your drink right yeah. here that I have on the screen right now. So you have, you know, a lemon. You So the, the glass is nice. It's rimmed with something. The drink looks, uh, you know, pretty appetizing. And then uh, there appears to be, is that a, sh a soft shell crab? On that drink, it's a soft shell yeah. blue crab that a, was actually I snagged because the the shed hosted a like a, 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 a you know a low country well I call them low country boil because I'm from that that's where my that's I'm more from that area but yeah just like a you know like a seafood boil uh -huh. a crawfish boil and um, yeah and I did mine with. Um, First of all, I think the reason mine won was I really paid a lot of attention, or I didn't win, I got third, yeah. uh, was that I paid attention to the mix was what I was really, like, that's what I'd been working on. And then the garnishes for me was like, I got to get this together, but I was really focused on the taste. But um, yeah, and that was uh, shrimp. Uh, yeah. That's actually a... Is that a jalapeno uh, on top of the shrimp? Yeah, pickled yeah. okra, an heirloom oh, okay. tomato, yeah. and I and I think if you look at the score that I didn't perform as well as others because of my mm. appearance, it wasn't as over the top as others. Yeah. So here's a guy who has. I mean, you know, you can see most of the glass. It looks like he might have a crab claw hanging out. He's got a bunch of olives. Um, you know, I would say this is probably on par with your style of garnish that you had on yours. I mean, it's it's a little uh, crazy. Maybe yours was a little crazy because um, you had the that whole. That guy's so cool, by the way. He competes. I don't on care. The I don't care about him. Who cares? About anyway, him? okay. So, yeah, but now, it's like an egg roll. I he, think is what it was. So Just here we go. Clarify. Now we have <laughs> a, a whole crab, but all of his appendages are on this top of this glass, and you have uh, perhaps more okra, olives. Uh, now we're starting to get a little ridiculous. Now we have this guy. 
multiple. This guy's the one that actually won, and I asked him if he would keep up in, with me because I wanted to put his. Uh, he wanted to at least give him some cred on my website, but he never followed up, and I, you know, um, but yeah, he's got a slider. Yeah, <laughs> it appears to be multiple sliders. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So you're gonna take off burgers and bacon to get and, to stalks. Oh, and uh, pork belly. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That, okay, I see that pork belly. Yeah. yeah. So I mean, you have a whole bunch of food on top that you're gonna eat, I guess, and then you're also gonna drink this drink. Then you have this incredible monstrosity. I don't even see a glass. <laughs> it's all sitting on top of the glass. Now here is the one that takes the cake. Rob, this is absolutely ridiculous. I don't know if you remember seeing this or not. Yes. What the hell is going on here? That's like... She's holding well, it with two hands and a small track hoe so she doesn't well, fall down. She had to put her drink in that vase that she's holding so it wouldn't flip over, and she called this the, the meat bouquet. Yeah, look at it. I mean, it's like a, a anti-pasta salad. <laughs> My Italian family is racing over. I'm not a, I'm not a fan of fruit mixed with charcuterie. That's just me. Yeah. I like to keep my unless it's like a jam that you might put like on a cracker, but that's goat cheese in the uh, <laughs> in the, the skewers. Yeah, I, I can. I, I figured it was some kind of. Well, I figured it would have been a mozzarella because it, there is a lot of uh, antipasto type stuff going on there. But this this is exactly what I'm talking about. I mean, it's going to take you an hour to deconstruct that, and then you have all of this food. Do people do they have to eat it? To, no, so when you turn it in, you have... So the they're not being like judged on this at all? This is only presentation score? Yeah. Oh, come and on. Th- I mean, there's... Come I know. And you, you know those judges had to be so totally shit-faced by the end. Like, how many dr- Bloody Marys well, no. do you only take a sip of... You spit it out. ...and not be hammered? You spit I it would, out. Would you spit it Robin, out? I would not spit you're it a out. raging alcoholic. Like, of course you I'm wouldn't not. spit it out. Give me a break. But it just seems like I don't... Well, I guess you're right. I guess you would spit it out. Yes, it's like oh, you go to a wine tasting, and you have 54 wines to taste. You swish it around, you spit it out. You're right. right. You would. I guess I didn't wait the way you would do wine tasting no. or bloody murder tasting. I, I would say, Rob, you're probably not too far off the track here saying <laughs> that in a particular barbecue event or a steak event, the judges might be taking in better than 75% of their sips. So I don't know. They look like a bunch of old farts, but they're that's South Mississippi. You're really close to New Orleans. It's like they can handle their bloody murders. Yeah, you know so maybe they weren't spitting anything out. Maybe they were taking it all in. Probably a pretty well, good chance. Well, maybe I'll judge it next year. Yeah. As as someone that's placed, I would be good as an, a Bloody right. Mary judge. Right. You've finished high enough to go into the judging pool and tell everybody else's their drinks taste like crap. Well, no, you just need to you know, go in with a good recipe. And you don't have and to... And if you want to know what I won with, I actually put it on my website, so yeah. I have leveled the playing field. I mean, the thing is, I think if you do most competitions, they're not going to have 45 people. Like, most local, like, this was a big deal. It was hosted at the Shed, but most are probably not going to have as much competition, which is going to help you progress higher and get a ticket to uh, the World Food Championships. Yeah, yeah. Which is cool. I would hope that if you go into the judge's tent, Robin, that you are not going to fall victim to... Uh, giving high scores to all this craziness that's on top, that you will really be giving yeah. all of your points for quality of drink because in the end, it is a drink. It is a drink right. and it needs to taste good. It needs right. to be something that you would want to present 
and serve other people. Right. And, um, you know, which is why actually I saw Leslie uh, Roark uh, right. from New Bonds yep. in line. And I was like, oh my God, I'm going to lose because Leslie's here and they have the best Bloody Mary mix ever. Right. But I'm sure she might have gotten uh, judged against her because her presentation was good, but it wasn't over the top, hmm. you know? Well, it's all very interesting, and it, and it does lead in. It, it just supports my weirdness. If you YouTube Crazy Bloody Marys, there was some restaurant in, like, Phoenix. I mean, you should have seen this thing, Rob, and it was absolutely – it puts the antipasta Bloody Mary to shame, if you can believe yeah. it. Yeah. And that was over the top. I'll have to find the link and send it to you so you can check it out. But these things have grown into an incredible array of everything that isn't the drink, unfortunately. So, uh, look, we're way over time here. Uh, you go visit Robin at her website, grillgirl.com. Uh, Robin is R-O-B-Y-N, and you can find her on Instagram, which she's very active on, at grillgirlrobin, again, with a Y. And in the meantime, every third Tuesday following Stephen Reichlin, you see her right here on the Barbecue Central Show. So, uh, Robin, appreciate you recapping the steak event and the Bloody Mary, and we'll see you again next month. And, Greg, I do just want to say you guys should follow me at Grill Girl Robin on Instagram. And I just got a paddleboard, and I expect to be having a lot more bikini shots because I'm working on I'm working on having more fa- fun out on the water. What's so, a, what's a paddleboard? A paddleboard. Like like a like a paddleboard? No, like you paddle places like oh like on the water that's right yeah look I, a guy in I'm cleveland not i don't anyone like i don't it. even know your mind is so dirty there's no spanking going oh, on here Greg. no there's nothing like that <laughs> i don't i don't associate water sports in cleveland so you know forgive me if you know we're not Got very you. tropical here yet give me three or four months to get past winter and then i can start uh, thinking water sports on the lake Right. I won't be paddling you anytime all soon. Right. Great. Good news. Uh, but hurry up with the bikini <laughs> shots because all the pervs are now salivating and my inbox is getting flooded. So, All right. Robin, we'll see you in March. Love there she is. Promising uh, the promise of bikini pissed. <laughs> Hilarious. Let me see if I get this right. If Robin says... I got a new paddleboard, and there's going to be more bikini shots, so follow my Instagram. If I said the same thing, you guys would be like, oh. Her follow count is going up. If I say that, my trend is going down. Damn it. That's right, Smoking Bears. Greatest triple X-rated show ever. In the meantime, I'm way late. I got to figure out how I'm going to get caught up here. So it will be an abbreviated top of the hour, which we're already two minutes into. Let me talk to you quickly about the barbecue guru. We've always believed that outdoor cooking should be easy and fun because it can be, especially with the Monolith Barbecue Guru Edition Grill. The Monolith is the world's first temperature controlled smoker with a built in power draft fan. This means smarter control and greater freedom with automatic temperature control. Easily choose your cooking time and temperature. Let the monolith do the work of a sous chef or a barbecue pit master with minimal effort. You now have oven-like precision at the grill, and you can serve the tastiest, juiciest meals each and every time. Visit the website bbqguru.com. That's bbqguru.com. Or you can go ahead and hit the website. Uh, I'm sorry. Give them a call, 800-288-GURU. That's 800-288-GURU. If you have a barbecue guru temperature control device, 
You don't have to buy a new one if you've just recently purchased the monolith grill. All you do is take the controller, run it down to the fan that's built into the monolith, and away you go. If you want new tech, certainly up to you. You can get a new controller if you want. The uh, CyberQ Cloud is the newest version. Hoping to get Big Bob Trudnack here on the show to uh, give us some updates on cookers and controllers and anything new that's coming up. By the way, the rib ring, if you have a ceramic cooker, easily double the capacity of cooking ribs. Go from three racks to six racks easy with the rib ring. Very inexpensive, too. All right, we are back to start the second hour, an abridged top of the second hour. Stick around. We'll be right back. You're listening to the Barbecue Central Show. 